If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 310 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And I'm Dustin with Last Stand Media. Hello, Maddie. Hello. I'm in a dark room right now. It's not looking too bright here, Dustin. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm expecting like a gun to come like, from the dark side, you know, and they're like, you better make the fucking podcast, Maddie. Yeah. It, like, <laughs> sometimes when I come in here, I'll like flip on the lights and it's in a hallway so I can see which rooms light up. And sometimes I just right. flick the light on and off until they all come on. This tube above me, I spent like five minutes just on off, and then the Steam Deck reservations were impending. I was like, okay, I'll sit here in the dark a little bit. It has yet to – it's half on, believe it or not. So sometime throughout this show, I anticipate the light will flicker on, and then we'll Mm. be be bright. And I hope that it has great thematic timing. That's what I'm really hoping for, right, is that that we – you know, we're sitting here, Dustin, and we start talking about maybe the Steam Deck, and then the light turns on. Because that's well, our bright future, right? Is it? Maybe. Is it? Maybe. Oh, oh who knows, maybe. right? Um, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ham Radio Podcast. Like I said, this is episode 310. We're really getting up there. This show is, has gone on for quite some time, has it not? And um, we thank all of you who listen each and every week, who write in each and every week. Um, certainly, that's much appreciated. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Plays. Early access is just a dollar. Uh, we just posted an update there on everything that's going on with the projects because over this last weekend i just got wiped out man um i had i had the flu or something Uh, i had like shivers and everything so it was pretty ass and um actually i was just starting to have my symptoms during our last episode dustin so we're on the other side here um but just to let people know the uh life and death of dead space project is is officially being edited i just have to do the skits Uh, But the audio and gameplay portion of everything is being done as we speak. I'm really excited about that project because I spent a shit ton of time on it. Um, And that will, I'm looking at the time now. I'm starting to anticipate this will come out after EA play. I wanted to beat the crowd, but I'm starting to think that may not be the case. Um, So we'll see. We want to make sure it's a good quality project. Uh, Next episode of Mass Effect Supercut should be out by the time this is live for everyone. And um, then we're going to get to work on the next uh rpg time machine and then also dark age of bethesda one of the patron supported projects so just wanted to give some updates on that thank you to everyone supporting dustin any any uh things happening on your end gaming aside that um, Uh, you wanted to talk about at all well this will go live for your patrons today so uh we announced last stand an evening with last stand our first ever live event and that will include both Maddie and myself, mm-hmm. uh, but that is for the you know defining Duke. But of course, we'll be there. So, um, but yeah, the tickets are available first to our patrons, which is technically at, at the dollar level. Not to try to pitch everybody on you should that, be supporting anyway. but I'm there. Dustin's but there. that's Come just on. just the information, and the tickets are going to be very limited. But it's going to be very cool, people, dude. It's going to be in my hometown. I know, right? Uh, 
which I told uh, Ben and I were joking on Twitter. It's like, this is either the best or worst idea we've ever had. <laughs> and no, but no matter what, it's going to be fun. So yes. we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, all that info is on Twitter for, for people if you're interested in, in coming and hanging out. But other than that, um, just a very busy week mm-hmm. overall getting details together. And I am ready for the weekend. Absolutely. Now, actually, okay, completely random question. Maddie, I know you like reading your show notes off of an iPad, right? Mm-hmm. Which iPad do you have? Oh, I actually could check the settings to give you the exact model. The reason I don't know is because this was gifted to me and it just said iPad. It wasn't like iPad Pro or anything like that. Oh, okay. Does it have a button? Yes. Like a, oh, okay. I, uh, I decided last night, I was like, you know what? I really want to use this to make thumbnails and I like my current iPad, but it's not, it's like a pretty normal, Mm -hmm. uh, this is the sixth generation. So anyway, I bought an iPad pro last night Nice, Um, and I'm very excited about new toys. It's a, it's a great companion for what we do. I think it's, it's one of the best things I've got. You know, it, 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 I use it for everything, everything. So pretty major. I think you will find it quite helpful. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on your, on your iPad journey. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything that's going on. A little housekeeping there. We appreciate you sitting through that. And now let's talk about what we're playing, Dustin. Let's talk yes. games. Lots of games. Mm. Um, so what, what has been running on the consoles this week when you've got a, when you've got a moment? For me, it has been a, a Plague Tale Innocence. Oh shit. All which right. is available on both Xbox Game Pass and the free, free game of the month on PlayStation Plus. So it's available basically to anybody out there who wants to play it. This is the next-gen version. It runs at a very nice 60 FPS. And I think that even I saw on Digital Foundry that you can run it. Uh, if you have the right, you know, a 120 hertz TV, you can run it at above. It's like a very variable. It's like between 60 and 80 frames most of the time. But mm. still interesting. But I had started this game a while ago. And I was like, oh, this would be a good game for Holly and I to play together because it's very story-focused. I played, like, the first maybe two chapters with Holly, and she was like, I don't like this. She's like, not that it's bad, but it was too stressful for her. (laughs) Like, she doesn't like – I mean, she'll watch movies that obviously have, like, action and suspense in it. But, like, I think she was thinking, like, "Uh, this is going to be suspenseful for – many many hours and i don't want to do that i was like okay so i forgot about it i i wanted to go back to it but i for, ended up just like putting it by the wayside mm-hmm. so i decided to pick it back up start at the beginning again this is a very i would say this is a very good game that often has moments of being great but it's not like incredible it sits in that nice space that hellblade sits in yes the the triple a quality triple a style double a game like there it's it's a little light on mechanics it's very linear but it is beautiful um it is very story focused and overall i'm just really enjoying every time i sit down to play this game i would say that it's not going to be for everybody because it has a strong emphasis on stealth because you basically play as a teenage girl and her little and they're you're like a lot of your movement is like you're moving around with this little boy, your little brother. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't like stealth, uh, you're probably not going to like this game. Yeah. 
But more than anything, I like the sections with the rats because this is, of course, a Plague Tale, and so there's lots of rats. Now, Maddie, I know you played this game, but it wasn't with the PlayStation 5 DualSense. Correct. And what's... Dude, the DualSense... I'm more and more. I'm like, this thing's actually pretty fucking cool because as you get closer to rats, you can, it's like you feel them scurrying around in the controller. Like there's like a million little, little vibrations that are very, it's almost like they're scratching around in there. It's mm. very cool. Yeah, I that's like my, it. Uh, that's my favorite part of the DualSense is the, the vibrations. We were funny enough, we were just right. talking about this, uh, Cog and I on Defining Duke, and we were saying how, um, I like the DualSense, but I am not as crazy about, the adaptive triggers i think sometimes they feel very i think of resident evil 8 and uh ratchet and clank as examples where it's like very clicky and it doesn't feel good but my favorite part is that that feedback you get from the like the micro vibrations all over the controller it's very precise and it can create a sensation that that just we haven't seen before and so yeah that actually makes me want to test that out that sounds cool yeah it it was funny, like, even though Holly wasn't really interested, there's a couple times since I've started again that she's kind of, like, sat down and was reading a book, and I was like, Holly, feel the controller right now. <laughs> she was like, I do not like that. I'm like, I do. It's, it's like, it's creepy. It's weird. I like it. But overall, check it out. I mean, there's no excuse not to. Um, I don't know. Maybe the ending's terrible, but you liked it, like, pretty through and through. Like, you, you're, a, you're an advocate for this game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, when I reviewed it, I wasn't confident enough that people would get their their money's worth in the term because it's it's over and done with once you it's about an eight to ten hour game and once you beat it that's it like so right they were selling it for 50 bucks which is a fine price but that's why like i was an advocate saying like this is one of the best directed games i've played and it's very good but it's also you're gonna just play it once and be done with it if you're comfortable spending that money go for it but i was i gave it away for a sale because i was like i think most people will probably want to just wait to get they'll feel better about it if they bought it like 30 bucks i'm sure you're gonna start to see people talking about it a lot online now because you can just download it and play it where um that price tag isn't attached anymore and it's just a really good game being given out uh but yeah i I like that game a lot it it ends in a very strong manner i'm excited more so for the sequel because i feel like on a um on a mechanic level i actually thought it was fine it was just the 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 levels and the options you had obviously could have been more but they didn't want to expend the budget for that and so i respect that i understand why they did that now that they know they've got something and they've got xbox there at their back with day one game pass i'm hoping they uh, take a couple more creative steps forward here and and make mm. a much bigger game that would be nice you'd have to assume um a sobo right that's the team mm-hmm. that could be one i feel like that could make sense in the the microsoft studios lineup with their partnership on a flight simulator but i agree who knows i mean they're one that i I even forget about a ton because they did flight simulator it's like no one thinks about that but then you see them do plague tale as well in a separate team and it's like wait what what happened when when did when did you both do this (laughs) it's pretty fascinating but yeah that's one i always just it slips my mind constantly yeah but uh, it's cool, man. And that's you said wait for a sale. It's like this is the ultimate sale. Anyone, mm-hmm. I mean, not yeah. anyone. You need to have PS Plus or Game Pass. But, like, that's still a pretty low barrier to entry. Buying Game Pass Ultimate for 15 bucks, like, that's wasn't even close to how deep of a sale I was thinking. I was like, yeah, maybe 30 35 Like, wait till it's just at a safer price point where that 10-hour experience and it being over with is just enough, right? You can... Right. 
you can have the disposable income for that. But I'm glad to hear you're enjoying that. Are you playing anything else or has it just been Plague Tale week? It's mainly been that. I mean, it's weird. Like my, uh, the last like Wednesday and Thursday were like weird days where I like, I didn't work the entire day. Um, in fact, I played a little Plague Tale like Wednesday morning, which was weird for me to get some gaming time in. But after that, it's just been like a bunch of stuff. Like, mm. as I mentioned earlier, we were getting stuff for the live event ready. So like we were like writing the posts and we were getting the ticketing together. And then I, uh, so Colin is going to be on David Jaffe's show again uh, today. And so I, I was like helping Jaffe with get his audio set up right last night. <laughs> Which is just so funny because I was just thinking about it. I'm like, man, I remember renting Twisted Metal at the grocery store. That's crazy. Um, and now I'm I'm ta- I'm helping David Jaffe with his audio, which Dude. is just cool. I told him that. I'm like, this is this is funny to me, but I mean, it's cool. Um, yeah, I, we all have, I think, at one point or another during our career path, these sort of surreal encounters where it's just humanizing for everyone and um Mm. i i totally get that man i totally get that that's so cool though uh yeah sorry go on oh no well you i mean you've had some experiences like that when you uh you met todd howard yeah for sure i think for me it was like the time i met todd howard uh, shout out to matt grandstaff he worked at i think he still works at epic but when he worked at bethesda he was really excellent to me and and my friends and was like very keen on getting us introduced so the first time we met was you know kind of like a setup thing it was an event if you will uh and then wasn't until uh when fallout 76 had been revealed at QuakeCon that todd and i bumped into each other and we actually like sat down for a while and talked that was kind of cool because we were just shooting the shit for a little bit and you know that that kind of moment there i mean the people at bethesda in general like beyond todd are just very uh easy to approach very easy to talk to uh so you know yeah you have those moments where it's quite humanizing and uh, also surreal right you know i think of the stupid shit i said when i was like 18 making like todd howard jokes and i'm like this guy's sitting here having a, (laughs) a legit conversation with me like a professional and i'm like He's definitely seen something stupid I've said, and is just ignoring it right now, right? Like that's gotta right. be happening, <laughs> dude. And that so I don't know if I classify this as me- meeting, but at the one E three, uh, a friend of mine had an appointment at the Nintendo booth. Like they have like basically like a small, it's like a small building within. E3. It's not a building, but they have like a multi level booth mm-hmm. for press. And my friend was like, "Hey, they're they're letting me take two people. Do you want to go?" Uh, for this appointment i was like hell yeah (laughs) and then as we go into the booth reggie when he was the president walks down the stairs and says in like this jolly santa voice he's like hello boys and i was like (laughs) we're like hey reggie uh and that was it like that was like as far as the interaction went because then he was going up the stairs and we were he was coming down and we were going up and i was like what a legend what dude a fucking legend reggie dude but uh yeah it's cool it's it's very um one thing i want to emphasize it's an honor uh to be able to be in the positions where you get to like events dude that's why i love events like mm-hmm. i miss them man at the the game awards after party one year i i'm maybe my mind is tricking me but i remember looking up and see in the balcony and seeing phil spencer talking to reggie oh and wow. i was like was that one whoa 
So basically what I'm trying to say is I got the inside scoop. Game Pass is coming to Switch, and that's where yeah, it Yeah, that's where it started. The Game Awards. That's 100%. where it started. I would not be surprised. <laughs> it started by Phil. Phil was like, hey, Reggie, I love that suit. Reggie's like, oh, well, I love that that uh, Xbox shirt you got. And then they maybe their hands lightly grazed, and <laughs> then Game Pass. Then that's the, you know, Phil the rest Spencer's was face history. went beat red. Yes. Ooh, woo, Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Uh, that's how it happened. So this, like I said, week I was sick, so I had a lot of time to game, and um, I fired up. I was going to play Doki Doki Literature Club, but I promised my girlfriend that I'd play it with her. Then I got sick, so that got backburnered. Now I've decided, well, I finished uh, SMT4, and I, I, I liked it. Solid game. Um, not too crazy about its... It's very much JRPG, the game. So it was a solid game. It was a flawed game, though. It was actually the game I was referring to when I, I posted a hot take on Twitter, what I thought was a hot take, just saying I enjoyed the occasionally flawed experience because it reminds me of what I really like in certain games, and when a game hits right, like I know it does. There's no question about it. And sure. we're, once again, fortunate enough to have the, the, the extra time to, to spend with those games because it's uh, it helps us with our content. I know not everyone's interested in that stuff. So I won't bore you to tears on what's flawed with SMT4. What I'll talk about is the game I started after that, Dustin. It was Judgment. Judgment on PlayStation 5. Okay. Have you played any of the Yakuza or Judgment games? Uh, I have started... Let's see. I started Yakuza 0 twice. Mm. I've started Yakuza Like a Dragon and never fit. I I keep starting these games and I never finish them. <laughs> um, but I'm always curious about Judgment. So tell me. So Judgment is a very good game. Um, I I will say this: if you have never played a Yakuza game or a Judgment game, and it's your first time diving into this world and its style, I think Judgment is a very good place to start. For me, however, someone who played Kwame one and two. I'm a little bit more familiar with Camarocho, the setting of Judgment, where you see a lot of fami- familiar locations throughout the whole game. Um, and so it does, for a number of hours, very much feel, and even to this point, I'm 20 hours deep now, it very much does feel like a, um, a new character dropped in the same world, uh, which makes sense to some extent. It's a spinoff, right? Um, right. But... You know, the, the action combat was familiar to that of Yakuza before it went turn-based. Uh, so there was a lot there that it's really battling through to separate itself. And in the early going, uh, the, the detective mechanics, I don't think were there enough to separate it like it has now deeper in the game where you're doing investigations, you're showing evidence sort of a la Danganronpa in trials to present evidence to people who be like, this is what I mean. Um, it's very linear in its progression and exploration. So, they, for example, they have a lock-picking mini-game. Uh, they have all these different things you can do, but they're set up in linear story sequences. So it's sort of misleading when you see the trailers before launch. And I'm thinking, like, wow, you, you can fly your drone and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, you can do all this spy work whenever and all these right. different mechanics and get into different buildings. Like, Kamarocho is going to be so much deeper. And then... You know, you just don't get to use these mechanics until you get to a particular building 
as a part of a main story sequence. So I'm hoping in the sequel they open things up. That's one of my biggest gripes of the game is it just feels very much narrow. But its best part is its storytelling and presentation. It is masterful. The story itself is really good, but it's really how it's presented because it's so multi-layered that they had to do it just right to kind of keep this mystery of a series of murders in front of you without revealing other aspects too soon that would key you in on other aspects and then kind of spoil the mystery. Like it was very well thought out how they presented it. And not only that, but one thing I always forget, and now I'm going to beat the drum on a lot to make sure I don't forget, is the cutscene presentation for Yakuza and uh, Judgment Games are are just top tier. Uh, just their choreography and the acting uh, and the intensity. Like they have just these subtle tricks in them um, that aren't like over the top. Uh, and I'm talking like in a Japanese style, like a fist clench or a oh, like you don't get that stuff mm-hmm. that builds the tension. Um, it's something like a glare that is very telling. That's only shown for a second before jumping to the next sentence. Like you can tell someone's paying attention now. It's like, oh boy, what's he thinking? Um, just the little things they do build up scenes so well. Um, and that's when it's at its best. Another flaw. Got to toss it out there, though, because it gets in the way of this very good thing is they have these moments of respite where they're like, wait for so-and-so to call, wait for so-and-so to do this, and you'll go off and do side content uh, when you sometimes, like, even in Kiwami 1 and 2, you could just power write this story. But the side con- right. content in this game is just not very good as far as oh. I'm concerned. I don't think it is. So mm. it'll take these mini games like chasing where you're just running people down and you press, it's like a quick time event, like Shenmue, you know, Shenmue would have like those sequences where you'd be like running people down as Rio and you'd hit like B and then a, and it's pretty much that. Um, and so there are mini games like that in the side quests. And, uh, there's one where, um, it just, it just repeats itself a lot. Like you'll tail people a ton, which means you'll do assassin's creed follow missions for like five, 10 minutes. And it's like, God, man, just, let me go. Let me do something now. Uh, so it stumbles a lot, but it's a first time uh, attempting something quite like it. And so I think it succeeds mostly. But I'm my, my hopes are higher for the sequel because they've learned their lesson now. Right. I, uh, again, something about E3. I don't know if it's the lack of sleep or eating or something that makes some of my memories of it hazy. <laughs> I swear that the actor in this game was at E3 at Sega's booth. And I saw him and I was like, I like, didn't know a lot about judgment. I'm like, that's the, that's the guy in the game. He's here. And that's him. I think he was there though. Uh, which dude, um, I don't know. I mean, we don't have to get into it too much, but there's like a a controversy about yes. Judgment. Um, and him, like his agency is like, they're not happy about them, about Sega wanting to release the game on Steam. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, we could get into it now. It's really, really weird. They're pretty much barring the game from release at Steam. And so what's happening, by the way, for those who don't know, is that now Judgment as a series may conclude because to Sega, Steam is really important now. And I guarantee you that's because they looked at how they sold a million copies of Persona 4 Golden eight years after its launch and realized how much room there is for their series to grow on that platform, that judgment, uh, a, a tinier spinoff series it needs PC it needs all the help it can get. Right. Um, and so that's becoming increasingly important for them. And when 
someone's walling them off. Like they're now they're willing to shut down judgment. It sucks, but I'm hoping it's just, you know, trickery to, to get right. Johnny and associates. That's the name of the agency to bite. But mm. I have a lot of speculation on that. Cause I, I was thinking like it's modding. Um, Cause one thing I noticed in the game uh, judgment is that they hero complex uh, Takayuki Yagami quite a bit. You know, he's never quite doing the goofy stuff that Kiryu's finding himself in and getting wrapped up in. He's oftentimes um, saving the day, not doing anything funky or weird, not really reacting to the funky and weird stuff in a charming way. And I'm thinking, Mm. I speculate heavily, Dustin, that the agency was involved in like, you know, hey, you can't do this, this or that. Like, he can't be doing stupid, weird stuff. He has to be disabling that, like make him look like a hero. Every right. step of the way. And it makes sense. Like, he's a detective, so I'm not expecting him to do stuff like Kiryu did, which is, like, you could carry swords on you and whatnot. Like, yeah, I'm not expecting that. But right, it's a strange there's, situation. Um, like, there's a Kotaku article that's detailed some of this that uh, Johnny and Associates had in the past refused to allow photos of its talent from press conferences to be published online and has since kept all of its artists from using social media. And that Johnny's didn't even open a YouTube channel in twenty eight till twenty eighteen. <laughs> so they also don't let him follow his wife on Instagram. So there's that too. Wow. Yeah. That's so insane. They're literally in the Stone Age, man. It's wild. Poor guy. He and must man. be getting paid a shitload to to not care. Um, but that's what I've been playing, man. That's that's been the bulk of my gaming time. I hopped back into Smile a little bit because I didn't realize they had a new map, and so that's been getting its claws back in me. That's a dangerous, slippery slope for someone like myself. Uh, but other than that, man, that's all I've been playing. Nice. So shall we get into the news, Dustin? Let's let's do it. Some very exciting stuff. Just hot off the press as well. Oh, what For happened? you and I, at least. What happened that's hot well, I'm off just the saying the, the pre-orders for uh, the Gabe for Gear. Yes. Have yes. you heard of that, that name already, the Gabe Gear? Uh, Oh, that's what they're calling it now? Okay. I saw someone on Twitter call it the Gabe Gear, which I just think is so funny because when I saw it, I was like, that kind of looks like a Game Gear. Like, there's something about it as a Game Gear vibe. Yeah, because they call it the Steam Deck, right? And as a content creator, you're, like, searching up Steam Deck for your photos, for Photoshopping, for your thumbnails. And I'm sitting there going, like, okay, where is this thing here? And all I'm seeing is the Elgato Stream Deck, which is another Mm. popular piece of technology that's getting swept up in the algorithm now. And I think I saw Ben tweet about it, which was really true. He's like, who will win the Google SEO battle? Will it be the Elgato Stream Deck or Steam's, or Valve's rather, Steam Deck? But anyway, more importantly, Valve announced a new console this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you've already heard, but hey, here are some of the details. They got three models here, ranging all different types of memories. Two of them have the NVMe SSD within them. Upwards of six hundred and I believe twenty nine or forty nine dollars, but it starts at four hundred dollars, and it's a handheld. It's a handheld. It's a handheld. It's coming out this holiday. I mean, reservations are live. I'm I'm very 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 excited for this man, dude. This thing is um, this thing is interesting. It's uh. Okay, so IGN, I think they had the exclusive, like, hands-on yeah. uh, at Valve. I'm trying to find... Okay, wait, here. I'm going to just quickly send you this video, Maddie, via Discord. Sure. Um, the audience can go find it. It's called uh, Steam Deck First Hands-On with Valve's Handheld Gaming PC. 
So there is a an, an adult man, Bo Moore, the executive editor of IGN, seeing a human man hold this device. I'm like, wow, that looks that looks like a chonkers that uh that uh that thing. It's just like it's definitely bigger than a switch. Yes. Um. It it's it's weird because you see all the like the this you know the images of um. Yeah, look at him hold holding it. Holding yeah. it. Do you, okay, you got it there. It's like it, maybe it's the perspective, but I'm like, holy shit, that thing's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm okay with. Like this, yeah, you can really yeah. see. He's got big hands too, man. Like that's right. Yeah, that's a no. It's a big system for sure. Right. That's what I said so, in my videos. I feel like comfortability is going to be the real determining factor for this because otherwise, on a functional level, which we'll get into, I think it's pretty strong. It's just about are you going to cramp? Is it going to be too heavy? Mm-hmm. Those are my so, main questions. I mean, there's so many stuff, so many things to dive into here, Maddie. I mean, um, first of all, the three models at three different price points is very interesting. The fact that they're able to get a, a model of this out at three ninety nine, which only it has sixty four gigs, so it's like there's yeah. games that are bigger than sixty four gigs. It has the external SD card that you can install stuff, but. Uh, you know the the 64 gig model you might want to skip on that yeah. uh, just in my opinion i agree and then for 529 there's 256 and has an nvme which is like super fast and then of course 512 for 650 which and... is what we we materialistic pieces of shit pre-ordered right <laughs> right i did put in the reservation but i'm not i'm not as sold as you maddie yet not sold yet i put in the reservation just in case because if you cancel it, they'll give you that money back on your Steam account. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's five bucks, whatever. Yeah. So my biggest concern with this thing is battery. Because in IGN's coverage, they were asking about battery. And one of the guys from Valve said, you can get anywhere from two to eight hours depending on what you're playing. Hmm. That's fine. Some variability. But then he said, you can play Portal 2 on this, a 10-year-old game, at 60 FPS for four hours. Hmm. At 720p, remember, because that's the the screen resolution is about 720p. So I'm like, is this thing, like, if you try to play Doom Eternal at this thing, 60 FPS, is it going to rip through in, like, an hour? Uh, Just because, dude, Portal 2, I mean, don't, it's not a, it's... It's not a bad looking game, but uh, like I said, it's ten years old. So, and he was like, "Oh, but if you put it at thirty FPS, it will last for eight hours." I'm like, "I don't, I don't want to play games at thirty FPS personally, right, especially if you have the option not to." Right. So, Maddie, are you concerned about the the battery? Uh no, because it. Here's the thing, right? I I believed that there would be a trade off somewhere. So a lot of people were like demanding from Nintendo. And a lot of these manufacturers, just this handheld console that plays games at a high fidelity and a high frame rate. And I'm like, of course, battery life is going to just start to wane at that point in time. Unless we start putting bricks in these things, you know, it's it's about comfortability at that point. And it's like, well, then some people will say, I'd rather go play a console with a controller. Um, And so it could just become a very vicious loop where uh, if they've found a good middle ground where it's like, hey, we got a battery that lasts a number of hours if you're cranking a game up on high 60 FPS, um, 720p. So if if they've found something there where you can do that, it's comfortable, but it only lasts a couple hours, I'm okay with that. 
Um, but I'm a little different from other people. I was saying to Cog, in experience to experience, by the way. So if I'm playing like a shooter or whatever, I want it at 60. But there are some games that I could play at 60, like a Dead Space. I just did the whole trilogy. But I played at 30 on my Series X, and I did not care at all. It didn't distract me. I didn't really think about it. I just didn't care. So I'm very different from your average gamer where I could have 60. Sure. I don't really care if I don't have it. Um, I'm sure that's not helpful in some of my critique at times, but it, it's just something that glances off of me more like, and it's not even an active effort. Like when I was playing dead space, I just wasn't even thinking about it. Like it was not a second thought that it was running at 60 and it's probably cause I grew up on consoles, but yeah, like I said, my main concern is really just hand cramps and that stuff. Cause I think of every mm. handheld I've ever owned switch, uh, Vita, even, 3ds ds and i would always need some type of attachment somewhere a grip or whatever to make it the the fit in my hands i required i would like to see a handheld out of the box be comfortable to use there will always be an adjustment because you're using different muscles in your hands so when i first started using the vita you know the inside of my hands were like really cramped up that eventually went away when i started using my 3ds it was my palms i mean it just differs per console so i'm sure this will come with its own growing pains literally but i just worry on a, com a comfort level because of where the buttons and thumbsticks all are compacted here's a uh, something interesting to think about maddie that was i mean i'm basically just regurgitating the stuff i saw on ign at this point but uh Valve is making the uh, the Steam Deck version of Steam, the OS, uh, available to third parties for no licensing fee. Hmm. So in theory, uh, we can see more devices like this running the same Steam-like software hmm. emerge in the next few months. Uh, in particular, they said Valve was saying that they view this as a new platform or a new vertical for for pc gaming this new device and they they kind of were like yeah we want other uh companies to get involved they wouldn't have made it the license free i mean they make the license free because then it's easy to get steam and then anytime someone buys a game they make money off of it so of course yeah the more interesting aspect about this maddie at least to me that's going to be very interesting is that this thing is a PC. They said that, that they're like, at the end of the day, this thing is a PC running uh, our Steam OS. If you want to install Windows, if you want to install Linux on this thing, you can do that. Um, and even on the Steam OS version, they're like, you can install pretty much anything. I don't, I don't know if it's like fully compatible, but they were saying like, yeah, if you, you could install Epic Game Store and run Epic Game Store games on this. It probably won't be the ideal experience in that uh, it's not going to have like the Steam overlay and probably work quite as nice, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be a fine. I'm sure, Maddie, that something you and Cog are going to talk about is like, what is the Game Pass experience going to be like on this thing? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what really excited me about it. And anyone who watched my video will know what I meant when I said that it's really outside of Steam OS that excites me with this thing. It's that IGN said that Valve claimed you can just wipe the Steam OS and install Windows on this. And when you do that, I mean, now it's an emulation beast if you want. You can start playing games in in a way that uh, people have always dreamt of. You know, there are, as someone who studies a lot of retro games, 
I've seen people do like makeshift handheld PS2s where they get the disc tray working on the back of this monstrous contraption. And right. I know some people like buy into that, try to make their own. And now those days can just go away. You can emulate a, a good PS2 game, GameCube game, whatever on this device. And since these are emulate, I can guarantee like these games are not going to drain your battery. So there's life there if you include net play as well. Um, so they're, mm. that together, it, I think, is very tantalizing. I think, and that's by the way, Valve is smart for this by getting out in front and saying this because it doesn't need to be, even be cracked. It doesn't need to be hacked or anything like a PSP was. The PSP exploded because of the homebrew scene on top of its excellent library. But the homebrew scene was what got people double dipping and got even people who were not interested buying one because they're like, well, I can play NES games on this thing. And Valve knows that if they just leave this as a thing that can be wiped and turned into something else, it will sell more units down the line. 100%. People will just see the possibilities of a portable PC and go crazy with it. So that alone is, for me, the most exciting of option of them all. And that's not even getting didn't into even the... even think of that. Right. And I, that's not even getting into the potential of modding. I thought of modding right away. I went, dude, if this thing can can hold a decent amount of mods... We heard Carrick always talk about streaming his PC to his bed, doing modded Skyrim in bed. Now he doesn't even need to do that. We could just have modded no. Skyrim in bed natively. I mean, mm. that will require a lot of memory. So I'm not really holding my breath on that too much. But there is possibilities there that I would right. certainly explore. 16 gigs of RAM. So that's, that's not bad. That's really good, actually. You know, you've made me a little more excited about this oh. idea now. Um, the, the thing I think that's holding me, not holding me back, but I'm like, I don't need this device. Dustin Furman in particular doesn't need this device. I work from home. I have a 3080 in the computer right now. I have a PS5, a Series X. I have all the, you know, the dumb shit we don't need. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, I really don't need this, but mm. you know, for, I mean, it's, I mean, this may, I don't know, it's not really alarming, but like, this is a tax write off uh, because I'll be able to talk about it on the stuff that makes me money for my job. Right. So it does make me money indirectly. So I'm like, yeah, you know, tax write off. Um, it looks kind of cool. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I could keep it. Um, so who knows? But one thing I will say, Maddie, one thing that I think people should, uh, keep their expectations in check is that it is cool that this thing is dockable. So they're going to, they're designing a steam steam deck dock, but steam deck dock. That sounds yeah. like a, a Dr. Seuss or something. It does. But <laughs> So uh, they're designing the dock, which is cool. But they also said that if you have like a, here, I have like something like this for the, for the video listeners, this is just a USB C docking device that works with my macbook pro oh. that has like uh you know it has hdmi and stuff they said you'll just be able to plug in something like this and then instantly dock it mm -hmm. won't be as nice of an experience as they're you know really nice like the switch the thing is though is it's not like it will be more powerful than the switch but it's still a handheld device playing pc games mm -hmm. so when you plug this thing in you're going to be able to play games at probably 720p, 60 uh, at best. 
And then if you want to do even 1080 or maybe 4K, depending on the game, uh, expect much lower frame rates. It's still a portable device. I just saw a lot of people like, dude, you can dock this. And I'm like, you got to remember that the Switch is, while it is less powerful, I'm, I'm not making an argument for that. Those games are custom tailored to that hardware. And so it does have that little bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm I'm uh, curious overall about if the docked experience will be satisfactory to people who have gaming PCs and ha- or you know they're they're plugging it in and then they have a 4K TV and then it's like this looks yeah. a little washed out. Yeah, there's still stuff left to be seen um, on a on a testing technical front where we should hold our breath a little bit, but. I think on a functionality standpoint, it's really impressive. And of course, I didn't even mention this in my video, but I we're we're at our PCs constantly. I don't really PC game since I started going full time with YouTube back in really 2017 was my first year when I was like done with college and really moving on to the next chapter of my life. That um, that's when I really stopped playing games on PC. I do occasionally, of course, if there's a review, like I reviewed Hitman 3 on PC, and I'm sure there's something else I'm not thinking of I reviewed on PC this year. Uh, but I just avoid PC gaming because it's so connected to my work. Like I'm already in my desk chair constantly planted in front of a PC for many hours every day. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's not someplace I want to be all the time. Otherwise, when I sit down to work, I'm not as energized because I'm literally in that space all the time, even my leisure time. So for right. me, I like to have a separation of that. That's why I go to the consoles. And that's why this system is really exciting. Cause there's so many games I bought on steam that I just didn't play. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't want to plant it in front of my work PC and play more games. Like I'm just, I'm good. Right. I'll go play something else. Now that option's available. Maddie, one last thing that for maybe people are a little skeptical, but about the, uh, got those two touch pads on the side yeah and that's based off of the technology they used in the steam controller which i would argue is very underrated uh i actually thought the steam controller dude i got one for like five or ten bucks when they were like yeah we're not doing this anymore (laughs) and it's it's a surprisingly i wouldn't want to use it for everything but it is a surprisingly good little device and i dude one of the most intriguing ideas uh for the steam deck for me is playing Civilization on the mm. go, and in its best form, might... right? Because the the Switch form sucks. Let's say it right. together. <laughs> I'm dude. I'm not playing Civilization with a with a a joystick and but like buttons like that. Like it's just not. Mm-hmm. But those little touch pads, maybe, maybe we'll have to see. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a really fun sounding console, and I think it's smart for Valve. It's a way to get people into the PC space without knowing they're in the PC space. So overall, I think it's a good move on all fronts. And PlayStation hopefully will make a Vita successor now because the heat is on, Dustin. We got that Switch Pro. Now we've got this. They're going to look at it now. They at least got to look, right? Research and development has to go underway. I don't know if they'll ever do it until they feel like they really need to. They're probably more focused on VR. But they, they should at least investigate and go... Should we? Should we? Dude, we had put together on Sacred Symbols this idea of a PlayStation Portable console that plays PS4 games, base PS4. Mm -hmm. Because my argument was 
there's no way Sony is going to ask developers and say, hey, we want you to make exclusive, uh, not exclusive, but hardware exclusive, we'll say, games for a handheld console after what happened with the Vita. <laughs> um, devs don't want to dump that much money to make a you know console console budget type game or a console the level of a budget to a console because that was the problem with Vita is that the the budgets to make games were similar to PS3 and people were like well why would we yeah make a game for Vita when we could make it for a much larger install base and the Vita is not doing much so the idea is like well what if what if they could make a device that's as powerful as a base PS4 I mean the Steam Deck is pretty damn close. To I, I think um, I mean I I'm not I know a lot of stuff about tech but I'm really not the authority to say like uh, if it is I know that in the one video they said it's about the same as an Xbox One or PS4 so yeah maybe it could be done it definitely could be they, yeah they were comparing it to those pieces of technology and I think that's what people wanted the Switch Pro to be at maybe the Switch Pro will end up being stronger I'm I'm kind of finding that laughable to hear but i'll always keep my mind open to it but like some people genuinely think like the switch is gonna outspec this thing and you know, hey maybe it does if it's like a full-on next-gen machine but uh i just don't see nintendo suddenly being a market leader for technic technic uh, specs rather i couldn't find the word right there. but yeah um, we'll see how it all shakes out right now i'm very excited for the steam deck and if it's really good we're gonna call it the steam dick the steam dick dude the steam damn dick the Gabe Gear and the Steam Dick. Hell yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Damn. All right. Pretty short news week otherwise that we're going to get into. A very Dustin Matty type of week that begins with Persona's 25th That's anniversary. Right. Oh, yeah. So they announce on a special website that there are seven Persona-related projects incoming, and some are games. So Dustin, it's speculation time, man. We've we've Let's go. we've got these exciting Persona announcements coming our way. What do you think is going to happen between September 2021 when it all begins and autumn 2022 when it ends? Mm. Well, okay. I'm going to bring expectations up and lower them at the same time. Okay. So they're selling merchandise and one of them has like a card for each of the protagonists. And then there's just one that's like mystery at the end. Right. Which tells me they're revealing a new persona protagonist for one of these things, which is cool. One of these announcements. So that's very exciting. Yes. Your gut says persona six. Oh, but right oh, when you said uh, that, right when you holy said that, shit. <laughs> it actually was thematic holy crap that's insane and now it's really bright in here that's incredible holy crap okay it's happening dustin what's out what else wow. is happening wow i feel like i can't say the negative part now wow yeah because my, my light I, might go out god himself oh has gosh. blessed this wow, moment so bright now with persona i said persona six <laughs> so okay I can't Where? believe that just happened. Yeah. Wow. That was like, I, I don't know if I looked on your end, but right when you said persona, it went and turned on. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, okay. So <laughs> your, everyone's gut says, and, and apparently God himself says persona six will be this, mm -hmm. uh, when this protagonist reveal, my only concern would be if they were to do 
a Persona spin-off mobile game or something where they introduce a, n- a new protagonist for that. But yeah. that's just me like always setting up for the absolute worst just so then it's like I have at least was partially prepared mm-hmm. for that. Of course. But at the same time I'm like you have to assume that work on Persona 6 started years ago. Um, in fact, I'm guessing that it was like, well, so to rewind a little bit is that a lot of the Persona team, like the main producer and some of the other uh, people in leadership are working on Project Refantasy. But uh, other people at Atlas are taking up the project. And so, but you have to imagine that that work would have started shortly after five was done. Yeah. Um, and then other people were handling the royal. You t- you mentioned that to me once. That like, was it a different team within Atlas was handling the royal version? I'm pretty confident it was because yeah. I know that the person who directed five, I don't believe is directing six. And right. I believe there was a there's been a number of teams in Atlas, and I, I I'm pretty sure that the royal team is separate which would make a lot of sense otherwise persona 6 wouldn't have started till 2020 and that wouldn't have made much sense to what they said years ago which was the gap between persona 5 and 6 will be shorter than that of 4 and 5 which it needs to be it needs to be no one wants as much as i love persona 4 no one wanted like 80 years of spinoffs and anime and just everything like just move on don't ruin a good thing now, so Persona 6, that would be cool to see. But here's something I'd like to lock in. I'm going to lock it in. Okay. Persona 4 Golden Port on PlayStation 4. Sounds reasonable. Lock it in. Sounds reasonable. Something that that I feel like I could say 100% is going to happen. Persona 3, the question is, do they want to port it? Or do they want to give it a little something-something? Maybe a little bit more of a remaster, or dare I even say, remake. Mm-hmm. I have a good theory on a Persona Three remake. I was, as you know, we worked on the project together. We did the mm-hmm. Future of Persona video, so you've—I don't know how much it committed to memory, but I mean, we dug into all the different assets that could be already used for a Persona 3 remake from some of the dancing models that were created for all the party members. Uh, That aside, in Persona 5 Royal, they included DLC for both the male and female protagonists of Persona 3 with their animation of shooting themselves in the head. Each of their main personas was fully animated with their own movesets. Granted, this was DLC. It was paid for DLC. So they could have just justified it with that. But there is some framework there to build off of for a Persona 3 level remake. The reason 3 would get a remake and not 4 is because I think 3 could use it. Tartarus, it, Mementos in Persona 5 is a much improved Tartarus from Persona 3. Like You can't tell me that they didn't look at Tartarus and go, how do we make this better to start off with Mementos? Um, and so I think if you go back and just re-release Persona 3, it's not a bad thing. But I think more people are going to go, wow, Tartarus really sucks now. Um, oh, yeah. And I just think it's going to hurt the game more. I also think that Persona 3 may arguably have a better story than most of the Persona games outside of Royal. It's just that, once again, Tartarus gets in the way. And um, I think that it could really 
like if you could have a persona four or five level experience with persona three um i should say persona three portable specifically because that's where you could play as the female protagonist and you get like a whole new soundtrack and everything um if you could experience that in the same way as a persona five i mean i think that would fly off the shelves as much as a persona game could fly off the shelves the other thing to remember, Maddie, is I think that Persona 3 is much more popular in Japan uh, than it is here overall. Oh, like, I didn't know that. They did four Persona 3 movies mm. Um, mm-hmm. that they never ended up dubbing in the U.S., um, but they're available. You can rent them on, like, Amazon Prime or whatever. But, man... Um, that would be just be so cool. I feel like I've started Persona 3, but I was playing it via backwards compatibility on PS3. And I was okay. like, I started and I'm like, I like this, but I also, it's it's dated. And yeah, I just, I, I've had this feeling in my gut for probably three or four years now that they would really re-release it or remake it or something. And I'm like, I'm right. going to wait. And then they I just never have. You. I don't blame but you. But maybe now's the time. I think it is. I also, I remember when I, right before base Persona 5 came out, I was playing through all the Persona games. I beat Persona 4, and I moved back to Persona 3. One thing that people forget pretty often is this was the first game to do the social elements. Um, So they could take some notes from how that's developed, go back into Persona 3, which started that all, and apply those evolutions. Um, like perks and bonuses being given to your party for advancing those relationships. There are also some social links in Persona 3 that are bad. They just have no place. Um, And so they could rework those. Um, I just think there is a ton of room for potential with that game that that they clearly could look at and say, we haven't really realized said potential. Uh, but a remaster would also be okay, like a Persona 3 Golden, if you will. That's not a full-on remake, but just a uh, – what do you want to call it? Like uh, it adds new content, revised, but it doesn't – yeah, revise. Yeah, revise would probably be the best word. It doesn't remake the full game, but it adds new stuff, right. makes certain, certain things better. Now, so, you know, we talked about Persona 3 and 4, but Chorus Persona, known for their their – uh, spinoff games. We've had so many mm-hmm. dancing games as spinoffs. We had the uh, the the 3DS ones that were like Etrian Odyssey, right? Um, yes. I can't remember what they're called. Persona, oh, Persona Q. Q. Yes. Right. And then, of, uh, of course, Persona 4 Arena, uh, which was the Arc System Works fighting game. Maddie, all of everything that I've mentioned, oh, and of course, Persona 5 Strikers. Could, how could I forget? Of all of these spinoffs, and the fact that there's what seven announcements or whatever. What do you think? Uh, what else? What else could we see here as far as spinoffs? Hmm. I think the easy answer is a Persona Five Arena, right? Like that's the mm. easy out of pocket. Like, yeah, you know, let's let's do Persona Five Arena just like we did for Persona Four, right? We're seeing a, a path. We've seen the dancing game again, so let's see the arena game again. And I think honestly, the characters four five fit a fighting game much more with their elegant move set than that of four and three's cast. Um, I do think you touched on something that I never thought of that makes a lot of sense though. And I, 
Spinoffs aside, I just think a mobile game is very likely. I think the cast for Persona is so big now across the whole series that a gotcha game just makes too much sense. And it would be fucking dangerous, Dustin. Oh, man. Ooh. It would be dangerous yeah. if they did it right. And it's like, oh, I want I want to rule Yosuke now. It's like, oh, Jesus, man. I really hope they don't for my sake. But um, I could see them making an announcement of that sort as well. Make the Persona Pokemon Go game. Oh. Holy shit, that actually might be awesome. If you're oh, like, yeah. if you like, uh, you know, you see the different... Um, like uh i guess would would they be personas the enemies you fight like there's like jack frost and demons or whatever you walk around you find the demons and so like you can either fight them or there's what you can do the the negotiation oh my god and then you add them (laughs) dude this this might be kind of cool um like that you know i haven't played pokemon go since the uh original the summer of Pokemon Go. That was like oh, what, yeah. 2015? Back before the world was. That was like the last moment that we were united as as people. Was yeah, when right. Pokemon Go came out. It really Dude. was. I remember like walking outside and just seeing everyone playing the game and just having this moment of, we're in this together. You know. Dude, it was like you could you could walk in town. I would see people playing, and then. I remember we were like, let's go walk at the the lake uh, it's a few miles out of town. We go there, there's people playing. And we like strike up a conversation with people you don't know. And like, man, it's a magical little time. It really when was. That, when it, that hit. it really was one of my favorite times in my life because it was just such a really good time. Like you just have a conversation with everyone everywhere and share discoveries. And for me and many others as just gamers, it's like, you felt like you were at home everywhere you went. Everyone was talking about video games. It was really easy to yeah. strike up a conversation for someone like me. Um, What else for Persona 25th anniversary? I think they're going to open the Atlas shop back up. I remember they closed that down for mm-hmm. a while. I don't know if it's opened and I just missed it, but I feel like that's something that if it is closed that they'll, they'll fire back up. Um, I, uh, I bet one of the announcements will be a Persona concert uh in japan because they've done a bunch of those and so I'm, i wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they're like yep here's what are the, the next restrictions they're looking like like are they on lockdown or anything i don't know i don't know they got the fucking olympics there True. uh but the thing is i've heard mixed things where it's like um i don't really know much about the situation just take everything i say with a grain of salt but i've seen people be like Oh, we're having the Olympics, but COVID's not under control. But the government's trying to act like, oh, we're okay. Mm. They want to not delay the Olympics any further, and they want to do it there. So, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I thought not, I heard something but... about the travel to the Olympics not being allowed or something like that. So, right. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe people will be allowed to travel for a Persona concert. That's certainly much more important. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll, dude. I'll. I don't. I don't care who I got to talk to. I'll. I'll write a letter to. Joe Biden. Okay, we'll get this. We'll get this done. I'll get the executive order for Maddie and Dustin to go to the Persona concert. Um, we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Um, beyond that, Persona Six. You touched on. I think you think you hit every nail on the head here, Dustin. I, I agree with your sentiment. I had some more wild predictions of just random shit I was throwing at the wall because I was like, enough here is out there where one of these should stick. I threw out a Persona right. 5, a catchy game. I don't want to speculate on what that will be because I don't want to spoil things for people. But I think that would be okay. a pretty cool spinoff. 
that would be unique. I can't go into what it is though. It's just too spoilery, but right. That'd be uh, one of my picks for sure. Oh, persona on Xbox. Do you think this happens in synchronization with a persona for golden port or do you think it's still some time before Phil works his magic with the persona series? I think the only way persona is getting on Xbox is if Xbox pays for it, pays for the port. Uh, I don't think Atlas, I mean, Atlas and Sega, they're like, we don't even really make these games for the U S audience, or at least they didn't initially. Right. Um, they're very Japanese games. There's no Xbox gamers in Japan, really. I mean, there's some, but very few. So, and they know that the, the market for this game is on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see Phil saying like, yeah, we want it anyway. We're going to, we're willing to write a check, but I don't see that as being something that Sega or Atlas sees as a, uh, something worth investing in. What about Persona on Switch then? Switch is huge in Japan. Yeah, right? So do you think finally we get Persona on Switch? Oh. Oh. Oh, I thought you were saying as a counterpoint. You're like, well, they brought it to the Oh, oh yeah. Story. No, no, no. That made was... no sense in my brain no, because I know I'm an you, idiot. I, I didn't present it properly. I yeah. Get what you no, no, no. That was, not, that was on me, Maddie. Um, yeah, it could be. Hmm. Hmm. Lines up with your logic. Does a big switch market in Japan. This is a PS3 game we're talking about here. So it could easily run on the switch. Of course. <laughs> I don't know. It seems it's, it's just like one of those things. It seems so obvious, but I can't think of why they haven't already done it. Right. It's been so, so long in demand. Right. It's like, it's been so long that I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. They would have done it already at this point, but you think so. Right. Right. I don't know. I think Game Pass is enough to get Persona on Switch, but they're going to have to pay 100%. It's not just... Like, Sega has grown Yakuza, I think, so much because of Game Pass. Obviously, people are... Cause I think people were just able to see how good those games are, and I think the same thing can happen with Persona. Um, and bringing Persona to Steam just showed how many more people were itching to experience that, and it got to a million sales. So I think I think they have a compelling reason to bring it to Xbox beyond its... It's fan base wanting it, um, and that fan base being like the defining Duke audience <laughs> I'm referring to. Uh, but we'll see. I think it's going to be an exciting time. Um, we'll get some some really fun announcements, regardless. I think I think what we throw out here is not so far out of reach where any of those could happen. Like the right. mobile game Persona Six. Persona Six is like I think the for sure final announcement. Like you know, you know, like Persona. Uh, five had the the chairs with the ball and chains next to that. Like I think we're gonna get something like that for Persona Six, a teaser. I almost. think at the the very minimum, uh, it'll the protagonist announcement because of those cards. Yeah, like they they showed that set with the cards, and so mm-hmm. it's like it has to be that that uh, protagonist. But we'll see. We will. It'll be an exciting time for us, and I'm sure we'll revisit this conversation on multiple occasions. But let's get into. Yes. Some really, really fun news now. <laughs> so this week we got a cool random game announcement. Uh, this is what the games industry is all about, really. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, Dustin. That's right. <laughs> the Nickelodeon Smash Brothers game. This shit is fucking insane. I saw SpongeBob, Patrick. There was Powdered Toast Man. I mean, there was everyone. Your boys. 
Maddie. Everyone. Your your turtles. Yeah, my your Ninja turtles, turtles were in there, and they they used like the classic Ninja Turtles, no less. They didn't use the shitty Nickelodeon. ones. They know who they're selling this game to. Yeah, they really do. It was they know. a brilliant move. All right, I need to hope check you first, right? I'm going to give you a little dang and romp a click here. What is the hope level for Dustin on this game? Is it, you know what, this actually could be good? Do you think it's going to end up being like Nickelodeon Kart Racer, which was middling? Where does this Nickelodeon cast throw together uh, land for Dustin? I'm I'm feeling um, 70s. Okay. I think this game is going to be fun for a party or a stream, but this isn't the game that you're like, you're not going to be checking to see who they buff or nerf a month after release. <laughs> like uh, this, I don't think this game is going to have legs. Now, something that's very interesting that I didn't, so this is game mill entertainment there. You mentioned the cart racing games. None of those were very good, unfortunately. Now, let me see here because this other studio that's attached to it is called Ludosity. Right. And they have a game on Steam called Slap City, which is a Smash Bros. clone. Okay. Which sounds cool. The reviews, overwhelmingly positive. 2,222 reviews. Let's go. So... They brought people on board who get it, uh, which is very good, very interesting. Mm. I'm looking at some of the reviews now. Melee, but on Steam. Uh, silly Melee. This is the best fighting game ever made in 2087. Slap will be the title card at Evo. Uh, people are into it. People are into this game, and they're they're working on this uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl game. So that gives me some hope. Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm looking at this Nickelodeon Kart Racers. The first one they dropped the ball on. This is a completely different developer and publisher, by the way. Game Mill. But the second one they got right. So I feel like Nickelodeon right. maybe had a little spiritual awakening internally. And went, all right, we got we to gotta turn up the gas a little bit here. Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix sits at a 72 with a user score of over an 8. Right. But then again, that's over five reviews. That's not really much to go off of. One thing that's really interesting with this game is it has rollback net code, which for those who don't know, that like predicts the the f- upcoming frame inputs. And if it gets it wrong, like it rolls it back. So it's like a lot more accurate. Um, mm. So you're not going to get BS in this game. I just thought that was an interesting technical effort for a game that doesn't really demand it. I think maybe they're punching above the weight a little bit here, Dustin. I mean, this game I'm... You know, uh, like many games, but this one I'm I'm very excited about. I saw it and went, "Hey, as a a Nickelodeon diehard, like I can't quote movies to save my fucking life." You put a gun against my head and said, "Like quote Scarface," I'd be like, "Uh, uh, uh," and you'd shoot me and I'd be dead. I'd be all over, right. man. Um, I can't quote anything, but Nickelodeon was what I grew up on, man. Especially during the era they're targeting here, like they got some deep cuts you can play as Reptar. My God, dude, man. I'm a Reptar main. If I had to pick a main right now, it would be Reptar. Period. I, I want to know how deep this roster goes, right? Like, that's, well, I'm very, very captured by this. Listen, cowards, if you're listening, put a few Nick Jr. characters in there. I want to play as Franklin. I want to play as Little Bear. Okay? Make it happen. Dude, that would, that would blow be, my mind. Wow. That would be, yeah. If you could run dude, as Franklin. Or at least, dude, okay. 
I understand that maybe they don't want to put their uh, early childhood characters in this game because it's like violence, so to say. Make them an ability. Like, I want you to like throw an item that's like a Pokeball, but this game's version of a Pokeball. And like the backyardigans show up or something, right. or like face drops down uh, from. I don't know. There's like. You've got all the licenses. Go all out. You don't mm-hmm. need characters for everybody, but like. You could do the Pokeball thing and have like a million references to everything. Like, yeah. I want like a move where uh, you throw a thing and then Stu Pickles shows up, <laughs> and he's got he's he's in his uh, his robe and he's mixing pudding and he like flings pudding oh, as yeah. like an attack. Dude, there's just there's so much there's yeah. the, the ceiling is so high is really what we got here, and okay. I was thinking about. The characters that they could introduce, like, we haven't even seen Squidward yet, man. Squidward's my man. Like, if I could be a Squidward main, it's over, right? It's not even about the Ninja Turtles at that point. I love Squidward. He's hilarious. So, I mean, there's so much room there. I cannot wait to see who else they add. I don't know, maybe a little... Sorry, who? Well, I'm just thinking, like, they clearly... We mentioned they get it in reference to the Ninja Turtles in the Mm -hmm. market, but they put Nigel Thornberry. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. get it. They know that they get the <laughs> meme. They're like, you know, the boys are going to want to play as Nigel. They get it. And so, Maddie, I think you're right that they could really explore some interesting things with this. Yeah. I, do you think they go to like Avatar? Do you think Avatar makes the, the crack here? Because he's, he's Nick, Nicktoon, technically. You know, I don't he, like the. I don't know. We don't want to give the Avatar fans anyway anything. Well, really? You don't like no. why? Because there's so many Avatar fans. Please, please watch Avatar. <laughs> it's like anime. I'm like, no, it's not like anime. Now, hold on. Stop it. Here's where we can agree. Hugh Neutron. Hugh Neutron? Hugh. Hugh? What? Hugh Neutron. Is that the dad? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. I was like, is that the dad of Jimmy Neutron? <laughs> that Dude, would be something, Him doing the, the caribou hunting mission, man. Like, that being one of his skins or some shit. That would be off the chain. Fairly odd parents. We didn't even think of those. Denzel Crocker? Come on, man. There is just... I'm looking... Danny Phantom was in the game, right? Like... Dude. Dude, that... This would be the hardest game to pick a roster for. Carl Weezer. I'm going through these 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 Nickelodeon characters. Some of these men, some of these are just so good. That's yeah, that's all I could really find that I wanted to shout out. Zuko. Oh my god, man. Yeah, I I think that the ceiling is high here. I'm I'm genuinely really excited for this. <laughs> And it's coming out this fall. Like, it's not even that far away, right? That's the other thing. Wait, Dustin, did you lag out? Are you... <laughs> He's, like, completely frozen. Just <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not cutting this out. I legitimately thought Dustin was frozen and thought, hold on. He texted me. Let's see what we got here. Computer froze. Keep going. <laughs> hold on. I got to send him a picture of this. <laughs> I was dead ass talking to him like this for for mad long. <laughs> oh. Okay. I thought he was just completely enamored 
by the character roster, look at him. He he looks like he just saw Q Neutron just call out Holly, and he's like, I gotta fucking do something, but I can't. <laughs> I can't. Q Neutron's gonna beat my ass, man. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, otherwise, I mean, I don't know what other Nickelodeon characters they could toss in there that I'm forgetting about. I was not a big Wild Thornberries kid. Of course, they could use some more Rugrats representations, but I think Fairly Odd Parents is the the big omission for me. That was a big staple. Um, they got Helga in. Oh, now my now my screen is huge. Well, don't worry, Dustin will Dustin will join eventually. Mrs. Puff, Mrs. Puff's a great pick. That's the thing, right? Well, what are they gonna What are gonna be their meme picks? I feel like you got to make Denzel Crocker, right? Like Denzel Crocker needs to be your playable character for the next big meme pick. Um. Yeah, as an as a Nickelodeon expert, I feel like we've touched on all of them. So, I guess I'll, we'll move on. And when Dustin rejoins, we'll we'll catch him with the patron questions, unless he's got more suggestions when he hops in. So anticipate a potential pause. But he told me keep going, so we will obey the command of Dustin. He said his computer froze, so that's where that's where he's currently at. All right. In the meantime, let's bring up podcast questions here and we've got about i remember checking we got about 10 to go through here um first one comes from just lee martin sup boys why don't you think that they pump out add-on content for single player games other than just saying the season pass dlc i understand that this wouldn't work for every game but could definitely think of a few that it could work for i do think the reason behind this is because when you like single player games by I put in quotes definition, right? Like you can have a, a RPG that's infinitely replayable just based off all of its different choices it hands you. But by definition, like single player games eventually end and there is a wall you hit. So I think the reason why you see so many uh uh publishers do season pass content is because they want to make you realize like once you finish that journey, it's not over. You've got a year's worth of new stuff coming. I think it's very tiresome because it does feel like the job's not quite done. I think we've got Dustin hopping in here in just a moment. We're going to see, I see his little, his little image is there now. Um, but anyway, I'll keep going until he's officially in here and then we'll, we'll get the story on what happened. Oh, wait, there hey. he is. Hello. That was so hilarious. <laughs> Here's the thing, Maddie. Uh, God spoke to us with when we were talking Persona. We got mm-hmm. too wild with Nickelodeon, and Satan came out and said, "No, yes," and I cut know. the conversation off. That's what happened, dude. And I'm guessing you lost your backup recording, right? Because if your computer froze, no uh, audio. No, I kept it running. Oh, because it's a separate thing for you, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, so I kept it sweet. going. Wow. Going. We are in business then. Let's go. Yes. Um, I just moved on to the patron questions because I was busy. Very good. I was I was listing all these Nickelo- Nicktoons off, and you were just sitting there with that face I sent you, and I thought you were just smiling the whole time, like in love with my suggestion. So I'm just rolling, man. I look over, and I'm like, what do you think? And you're just sitting there just like that same smile. I went, wait, is he fucking frozen? <laughs> I feel like such a dumbass. That's awesome. Uh, we're on the patron questions, though. I was just answering just Lee Martin's question. It was... Why do you think they don't pump out add-on content for single-player games other than just, say, the single uh, the Season Pass DLC? I understand this wouldn't work for every game, but could definitely think of a few that it could work for. 
And I was, I was suggesting that it's likely because with season pass, there's that feeling of it doesn't end where I feel single player games have such a short lifespan that they do a single or a season pass to then get people to stay for maybe that year. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to find, okay, wait, why do they think they don't pump out add on content for single player games? Um, Oh yeah. I'm just trying to understand the question. Sorry. I'm all flustered. Why do you think that they don't, that they don't pump out add-on content for single-player games other than just, say, the season pass. Well, the season pass thing is just a way to, like, sell people on all of it all at once. Uh, you know, $30 right when you when you buy the game. So bundling, uh, that's just, like, a marketing one-on-one thing to me. Yeah, and then you get a weird situation like Fallout 4, which I don't think Bethesda was actually thinking this, but I'll always remember it because it's the only time I've seen it happen where you had a game sell over 20 million copies. And I remember seeing that and going, oh, they're going to support this game for years with DLC. They did three of the most ass. Actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. They did two really ass pieces of DLC, and then they did Far Harbor, which is one of their best DLC of all time. And they said they were going to stop there. Like, that was it. And that was really weird because people were going, What? And they ended up doing Nuka World like three months later, which I'm like, no way you guys just slapped this together. You definitely weren't going to stop. But they were claiming they were. Um, So sometimes you get companies apparently that will start, stop, start. So they could fire it up whenever. Um, But very rarely do you get a game like Two Worlds 2, which is still getting DLC to this day. Right. Just no games are supported quite like that in the single player space because they eventually end. There's not that multiplayer component keeping it afloat. All right, so this is going to be an interesting talk already. I can tell by the first sentence. Straw Hat Ninja writes in, Gentlemen, gentlemen, I almost cracked and bought Final Fantasy XIV when it was on sale this past Steam sale. I've played a few MMOs in the past, but they never stuck with me. My friend told me Final Fantasy XIV gets really good after 60 hours, which is a lot to ask. Do you guys feel like the stories and characters in MMOs live up to Western RPGs and JRPGs? You had, my friend, the same experience I had. I saw on Twitter. Dude, and what was funny about that is that I played it on stream, and I was like, this is not it for me. And so I made this... It was a little flippant, but I stand by it, where I said that it's one of the worst openings of a game I ever played. And the fact that you have to play 50 hours in order for it to get good by many people Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And this tweet ended up getting a lot of support, uh, along with some criticism, which is fine. But then David Jaffe, who we mentioned earlier also retweeted it and i was like oh Uh here we go oh no so yeah i don't know guys like i just and it's the same with movies and tv if people are like it gets really good in season three like yeah no like i'm willing to do if someone's like oh give it three to five episodes i'll be like if i'm intrigued enough Sure, I can understand that. Sometimes things need some time to get going. When you say 50 hours, I can play, depending on the length, three to five games. Mm-hmm. Like entire games, entire experiences in that time. No, yeah. not doing that. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's acceptable. I, I don't like that you can pay through it. They definitely need to rework their opening. Because I, I believe people when they say the late content, like the expansions are very good. But the opening, I think people forget how just atrocious it is. And take it from me who stuck with it for 30 hours because I was told so often it gets better. I was like, I'm going to push through. And it was so fucking boring to me. I was like, I just can't do this. Like on a gameplay front, it it plays like every other MMO, which 
whatever. That's fine. I don't really mind. But, dude, it just it doesn't do the trick for me right now. And I want it to because everyone sings the high to the high heavens on how great it is. Um, and right. I believe them. That's the thing. I do believe them. Just uh, it's I don't know, man. I think it uh, I think they need to rework that beginning for folks like us because um, now they've gotten to the point where heaven sword and the intro are free. So you just can play it and it's all free. It's like That's great. But there comes a point where it doesn't matter how free it is if it's not fun to play. Um, and so I would, I think the ideal thing is to just hop through it all. But then a lot of people say, well, then you're missing some context and it's, you can't win. Um, to answer Straw Hat's question, though, do you think MMOs or stories and characters in MMOs live up to Western RPGs and JRPGs? I've never really felt that strong about an MMO story. I do think the best stories are in Star Wars The Old Republic because of the way they're told. They're very uh, intimate would be the word I'll use because it manages to feel less like an MMO. And just right. lets you focus on the characters and the character stories and the the scenarios that they tell you in this game are very Bioware. So they're very good. Uh, but... It is also a very much a storytelling MMO. It plays identically to that of Final Fantasy. That's why I don't get where people are hyping up Final Fantasy's combat as well, because I'm like, this shit plays the same as every other MMO, um, including Star Wars The Old Republic. So then for me, I just think it's all about different slices, right? Like, everyone's got a different slice. So if they were out there making a TMNT MMO and it played the exact same like Final Fantasy, I'd probably be out there going, this shit rocks! Because it just, yeah. you know, it, it, like, it, it's it's hard for me to sit here and crank on final fantasy even though i'm a final fantasy fan That's right the tough part. yeah to me i'm not really drawn to mmo stories i mean mm -hmm. i am drawn to the story in destiny but i don't know bungie says it's an mmo fps that's it doesn't feel quite like what we're talking about though so i don't i only loosely yeah. say that but i don't know i mean i'm not playing an mmo for the story I'm playing for True. the, you know, the geek, getting the gear, grinding out, doing raids, stuff like that. So, but yeah, I yeah. struggle with MMOs now because I think of, could I sink another 60 into the same MMO, which isn't a bad thing. And then I look at a game like judgment, which is about a 25 hour game. And then a game like SMT, which is, it took me about 45 to beat. And I, I played SMT for a month on and off to beat that and i look at that and think wow what if i was playing an mmo in the meantime do i just never start these games i just feel like these service games i play them in seasons man you know it's why i, I dropped smite for a while i was just on a big big sing long-term single-player grind it's like i don't want anything to do with multiplayer it's just not appealing to me unless it's something fun like mario golf then sure let's hop into that but uh you know i, I think Otherwise, I, I think it takes away from what I enjoy most, which is just these single-player games. Like, I could get three new experiences that I would enjoy or not enjoy, learn more from, study, discuss. It would add to the content, of course. Not that if I were playing an MMO, I would not have content, but it would add something there for sure. Or you could just play the same MMO. I don't know. I just yeah. feel like those diverse experiences are helpful. Right. Manny, this is probably where I should drop out. Yes, uh, because I mean, for the audience, the the tickets are about to go live, and so of course we need to monitor the situation and make sure nothing goes wrong. Um, I just don't want to be like podcasting, be like oh, I gotta go because the of tickets course. just no, blew up. Get out ahead. 
while while you're here and um and we're we're not in the middle of a question and good right. luck i hope they all thank sell you out. yeah we'll we shall see now maddie since we're on discord do you want me to just turn off my camera and mute myself so you can keep recording since it's just oh, you yeah, it would boot me wouldn't it yeah i'll okay. just mute myself and turn off my camera uh, and leave <laughs> okay, this you running get to, you get to listen to the show good yeah yeah I sounds good that. all right everybody thanks have a good one all right cool Bye-bye. peace out all right, let's get into Cody Richter. This is wild. I'm just sitting here with a, a, a muted dust. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cody Richter writes in, hey, Green Eggs and Ham, what's the hardest trophy slash achievement you have unlocked? I'm currently working on the batting 500 trophy for Diablo 3, where you have to complete 500 bounties. Tedious and time-consuming for sure, but not necessarily hard. For me, it's going to be the flawless Raider trophy from Destiny 1. Destiny raids are already complex and difficult as it is, but when you have to complete a raid without a single person in your fire team dying, it adds a whole other level of difficulty. Do you guys work towards those harder achievements or just ignore them if they seem out of reach? Um, I look at ones that I feel are out of reach, like uh, we talked a lot about Yakuza and, and Judgment. Those are those types of platinums where I look at and just get sick to my stomach because they're like, get 100% completion. You go, okay. What does that entail? And you look at all the challenges and meta challenges within these games, and they're very dense, meaty games, which is what's great about them. But my God, going for a platinum looks torturous with every little box you got to check. So those are the ones I avoid when I look at something like that where it's it, it gets to the point of insanity, right? You're not having fun. I look at it and go, I'm not going to be having fun at certain points. Probably the hardest trophy I went to, I don't know. I think a, a difficult trophy is never so a good difficult trophy is never impossible. It's just tough to acquire, and it's rewarding when you get there. Like, I think your Destiny trophy makes sense. For me, the most difficult one was that of a real test of willpower. That was the Amazing Spider-Man 2. There was a trophy, I think, where you had to upgrade every suit. It was either upgrade every suit fully or unlock every suit. But anyway, <clears throat> in the Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's a mission you can run where you're escaping a prison and you get a ton of suit XP for it when you finish it because you can web swing through it in about a couple of minutes. And that part is ingrained in my mind because funny enough, I was actually listening to like Colin and Greg and everyone on kind of funny. And I was just grinding their podcast for five hours straight because this is the one trophy I had to get through that night. Cause if I didn't, I knew I would drop it and give up. And I didn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the desire to do that. Right. So I remember grinding that trophy out and then the next day I had to beat the game on the hardest difficulty and I remember or doing something on the hardest difficulty because I don't even think I beat it at the time because what happens is I remember I was waiting I was like about 5 p.m. That's, that's how ingrained this is all in my head this experience I remember it was 5 p.m. I got the trophy to pop and I got my platinum and immediately ejected this game from my PlayStation 4 clipped it and threw it on a stack that I went to go trade in later that week. I fucking hated that game too because the first amazing Spider-Man game from B Knox was awesome. It was actually one of the best superhero games I had played at that point in my life. Now with Insomniac Spider-Man and the Batman Arkham games, it's gone down the list, but it's still a good one, a good one. I would recommend uh, one of their very best efforts, but those trophies in particular, I found extremely tough. I think grindy ones are just to me very difficult because I know I can do them, but it requires just this time and, and moments of shutting off your brain. Neo one had a uh, platinum trophy that was pretty good, but there was this one trophy that involved you grinding 
your blacksmith level up. And so I ran the same mission for, I think, five hours again. That seems to be the magic number. And it was just one of those days where I cleared out a day. I was like, let's just get this trophy. And I did, and I got the platinum. Uh, and it was rewarding, but it was difficult. But I can't think of something that's always been that's been so difficult on a skill front because sometimes it's baked into the game and you don't think about it much. Like I'll, I'll think of Neo or Neo Two, where there's specific bosses. Like Neo One had the uh, the Ice Queen and Nobunaga boss that was hard, really hard. And I believe a trophy was connected to that. So you could say that was one of the hardest trophies I definitely acquired because that was one of the hardest bosses I fought. Neo was a incredibly tough game. I think the Neo series is much more difficult than most FromSoft experiences. But I can't speak for every because I haven't completed Sekiro. But to my point, I, I look at that and go, well, technically that was one of the hardest trophies I earned. Uh, Bloodborne is another. You had to complete the Chalice Dungeons, so there was a final boss at the end of the Chalice Dungeons. That was really easy for me. It was like the Bloodstarved Beast or whatever that I always get the, 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 the boss name wrong because someone corrects me in the comments. They're like, Maddie, I'm an OG. It's actually this one. So I, for, I apologize for forgetting. But that one in particular was really tough. Um, and, and it wasn't really the boss I had to beat to get the trophy to complete the Chalice Dungeons. It was more so the boss beforehand and the whole process of the Chalice Dungeons. So it varies on experience. Hopefully that was a good answer for you. But I haven't really trophy hunted in a while. Um, I've gotten more Platinums this year than I have in a while. Like last year, I kind of took a break from Platinum hunting unless it was a game I really liked. This year, I've gotten a couple. Like I know I got uh republic commandos i got ratchet and clank uh which was an easy one yeah, I, they've they've sort of fallen into my lap a little bit but there are definitely a couple that uh at some point i'd like to to go for so we'll we'll see in due time but thank you for the writing cody next question comes from j lopez 7331 sup dudes got a question but it stemmed from dustin's response about assassin's creed infinity on sacred symbols 158 he talked about how live service could also mean single player with a few shorter stories. Example given 10 to 50 hour, uh, 15 hour sorry, domain, which I feel appeals to a majority of adults who are quite busy and don't have the time to beat a 30 to 40 hour game, including myself. My question is, could live service benefit some game companies that are more story driven slash single player, considering how new live service games are, I feel like, it's similar to how Netflix started and is currently doing. In the beginning, Netflix sounded good on paper, but didn't really do that well. I felt once they started investing in themselves and focusing on quality IP, then it boomed. Also, giving television series a new light. Sorry, I need a drink after this. Without having to worry about interruptions from commercials. I don't know if it's a fair comparison to make, but maybe we were in that awkward stage of live service where it doesn't seem too good until a major company hits nail on the head. Have a good weekend, boys. Of course, shout out to the Ham Fam. Thank you, Jay Lopez. Uh, so I don't think we're in a period now where we haven't seen the benefits of live service because I remember of all companies, of all games, it was Ubisoft that dropped the Division 2 where people were actually celebrating, hey, this is what a live service game should be at, at launch in the terms of its launch readiness. Like, there wasn't major server issues. It wasn't really weird. It could be played on your own it hit all these different staples that were very good for its time and i personally as someone who doesn't dip into service games often still appreciate it for i just wanted to shout out that more underrated pick there because i think a lot of people forget about how good the division 2 was at launch i don't know what status now because these service games evolve and if you're not playing them then it's really hard to stay in that conversation but what i played at launch and completed and some of its post-launch content 
I liked that game a lot. It was really good. And you could play it entirely on its own and server issues were non-existent. It was just really nice. It was really, really nice. So I think a lot of the service issues are from, man, imagine if this was evolving, but it wasn't monetized, which just business-wise is impossible. It's just not going to happen uh, because they need the money to produce the content. So I feel like we've sort of seen the hand be shown for live service games. Not even sort of. We've fully seen the hand of live service games be shown. This is the next step, this evolving platform. And I think it's something entirely separate in a way because it does fall into live service. But we really haven't experienced... uh, I talked about this on Defining Duke. We haven't experienced Halo Infinite, say, launching and then off of the Infinite uh, service platform, whatever you want to call it, a new mainline Halo game launches within that. We have not really seen that before. Um, and whichever way in shape and form that comes in, same thing with Assassin's Creed Infinity. We don't know what they're going to call the next game within the Infinity platform. Like, What is that going to look like? We don't know. We don't. And so uh, that's our next step. And yeah, maybe you do have the uh, potential to say like, oh, well, maybe they can make these 10 to 15 hour uh, chunks and drop them. But if they're going to drop these little bite-sized pieces, and I'm using bite-sized very generously, by the way. These are good, healthy lengths. But this goes back to the mechanics, and I start to think of something like Genshin Impact. I talked a little bit about this, how you're going to see companies take what Genshin Impact did, and they're going to try to evolve it to the best of their abilities. Because Genshin is a game that I so wish that I could just say, here, Mihoyo, or whatever your name is, 60 bucks. I'm going to take my game now, get rid of all that monetization and and the mechanics built around monetization. I know it's not as egregious as other games. I understand that. And I've heard good things about it because my, one of my close friends plays it a ton. But it's just so unappealing to me on its premise. It's it's not attractive to start up because of that grind. It's like, man, I wish I could just buy this. So I don't trust these companies when they're building their mechanics and they're built into this live service game that they need people to spend money to then bring more content to the platform to then get people to spend more money. Um, and I don't trust companies to just do, oh, cosmetics only. Like I, I think we're going to see evolutions in how gameplay mechanics are going to be taxed effectively. And I don't trust them. So Dustin makes a good argument. And I think there is light on the other end of that tunnel if you trust these companies to do it right. But I don't. I do not. I just want traditional single-player games, and so I will stick with that. But could live service game uh, uh, benefit from, or really live service benefit some companies that are more story-driven in single-player? Yeah, but I don't think you're going to see a new company step in and do this new platform thing. The, the way this platform thing will work is you're seeing Assassin's Creed do it and Halo do it. GTA is having an evolving map. These are major, well-known, global IP. So it's easy for them to, to set this up and, and know there will be a fan base. You can't start something new with this, which is why I do have hope that you're going to still see your traditional single-player games. I, don't think, I didn't think they were going to disappear anyway, but I'm a little worried how many people will hop into this trend and try to monetize single-player games. But if you're making a single-player game, a traditional one at that, good news for you i think you're gonna get a a bigger audience because some people will just leap in and support you strictly because you're a single player game and i think they're gonna become more rare they're not gonna be so rare that it's an anomaly when it happens but i think they're gonna be more rare for some time 
All right. Vault 101 guys up next. Sup, guys? I have just a couple of questions. I can't comprehend why Bethesda won't remake or remaster Fallout 3. It would print money. I think Todd said it would be a lot of work because they basically have to create the game from scratch. But I think that that time would be needed, uh, would be well worth it. Thoughts? The recent Stadia announcement has me concerned. The way they explain explain it is a payment system per day played. So the more days a gamer plays your game, the more money you will make. Kind of seems as though it's pushing smaller games out the window and more games like Destiny to make the most money. Thoughts? I actually don't know anything about this, but it sounds awful. I don't know anything about it, but it just sounds awful. So I can't talk on that one that much. I can talk, of course I can talk on Bethesda remaking or remastering Fallout 3. Look, I admire their tenacity and their demand for we're not going to remaster these old games. But here's the reality is especially with something like Morrowind and it's already feeling that way with Fallout 3 in New Vegas because of their shooting mechanics is these games are going to start to hurt with their age. And when you look at some of the tech infrastructure Bethesda has set up and by that I'm referring to things like creation club console modding the idea of re-releasing these games it's not even about recreating them from scratch just re-releasing these games and having those options there that sets up those games for the future where you don't have to touch them again forever um and i feel like that general infrastructure could be brought into a lot of their older games i would love to see it in oblivion of course fallout 3 new vegas i would love to see it in morrowind uh, and see what fans do with that why they're not doing it, I, I respect it. They just want to make new stuff. And, and that's one thing Bethesda, I'll tip my caps to them for. They do focus on mostly new stuff. They'll go back to series, don't get me wrong. But when I say new stuff, like they're making another game in that series. They're not really dipping into the nostalgia bag, as far as I can recall. They do it with stupid shit like Elder Scrolls Legends. And I can see why they have sort of a colored opinion on it, because that didn't work out. Um, sometimes their IP cash-ins just don't work out like it does for other companies. Like, I don't think... El- I don't want to speak too definitively on this, but I don't know how well Elder Scrolls Blade did in comparison to something like Fallout Shelter. I think Shelter was just monumentally more successful, where Blades was more desperate. You could tell by the way the game was set up. It was much more desperate. So I look at these types of situations where maybe Bethesda feels like they don't have the nostalgia chip that other companies do. But I think they're also missing that they're taking the IP and twisting into things it's not. Where if they took the original thing and remade it, people would be all over that. Myself included, of course. Uh, So I respect why they don't. But I do think it's getting to be that time. And I would be very surprised if with how Microsoft is remastering Age of Empire games with World's Edge. Look, that's no disrespect to them. Their games look awesome. I'm very interested in Age of Empires 4. But if they're getting them to remaster their games and they got the old Wasteland games remastered, like Wasteland 1's on Game Pass remastered, I don't know. I don't know how you don't sit there and go, well, how can we make these other older games better? Microsoft low-key likes the remasters for those pretty old titles. So I think there might be a chance now more than there ever was, but I'm not holding my breath. But that is definitely one of those announcements we could just wake up to and be like, holy shit, they're doing it. So we'll see. Chow365 is our next question. How's it going, lads? Hope you guys are having a great day. My question this week is in regards to playing a game with either an English or Japanese. He says English dub or Japanese dub. I think it would be Japanese sub, English dub, whatever. For example, I'm about four hours into judgment, and the English voice acting was not cutting it for me. I am there as well. I forgot to mention that. 
However, when I switched over to Japanese voice acting, it was extremely better, and I was able to engage a lot more with the story. My question for you guys is, when it comes to games made by Japanese developers, do you prefer to play in English or Japanese? And if so, why or why not? Thanks, and keep up the good work, boys. Have an awesome day. P.S. Here's another fantastic message in my native tongue. Is Fana Liam Uyum on Teach Tabarant? I can't. I can't even. I shouldn't have even tried from the start. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Chow. Uh, all right, so yeah, Judgment's a great example to sort of leap off of because I said how I've played a lot of it lately. And uh, the English voice acting for me isn't bad. It's just that I want to be respectful when I say this because I think the talent there is incredible. The The names they got, uh, Matt Mercer, Jeremy Lee, uh, they, they got Greg Chun, they got Crispin Freeman. They got all these big names, big JRPG names. The list goes on. Like every notable name in JRPGs is in this game. It feels like. Uh, by the way, for English dubs, and it's like okay, cool. But my problem is, none of these folks change their voice. Like none of them, and like to adjust for the character. Like I say, as well, due respect, because I've interviewed him. But like Matt Mercer sounds like the Matt Mercer I interviewed. Like he just doesn't really adjust all that much in my opinion i don't know what it is but for someone like myself i just nitpick it constantly and it just distracts me where i think i would have been better off switching to japanese sub um but i'm there with you i typically if the the sub is good i'll play i'll play the game 100 in in english i've i've been a sub guy since before it was popular, I used to get grilled by my friends all the time about playing subs uh, or, or dubs. I'm mixing it up because I was flipping through a couple of apps. But I, I always get grilled for that stuff. But for me, I, I mean, it was like, why? If I can't, if I can play it in English and I like the performance, then what's the problem here? I think more people have caught on to that. Uh, but I, I think in this case now, if I start to hear the common voices, the, the familiar voices that sort of pull away from the character because it's just you're hearing the actor. Like, I always think of. Who was this actor or actress? There was an actor I think of that I don't know the name of off the top of my head who said that my goal is when you hear my performance. I actually think it was Sean Schemmel with Goku because he's done some characters before. Like he did Strong and Fallout 4 and I wouldn't have known that unless you told me that, which is what happened. But I remember him saying that my goal when I do voice performance is that you cannot identify it as me. And that, I think, was very powerful for me because I think that's very true for all actors. And Sean Schemmel, you know, love him or hate him, that shit aside, I think is a pretty good voice talent. And especially when you hear some of his different roles and how he's adjusted his voice, I think that's what most actors and actresses, at least for me as one who one day wants to do a little voice work beyond my very small amount, um, I think you should strive to do. I just think it's so important, and I'll even speak to my own experience. I know for a fact, based off some of the other, uh, I I voiced the Slig in Oddworld Soulstorm, and I know for a fact, as someone who played the game, that some people stepped into that role, if you will, and used their normal voice and did not look at, you know, maybe it's because I'm an Oddworld fan I knew, but did not listen to what a Slig sounded like and just stepped in sounding the exact freaking same. And I'm like, what? Like, this is not what voice acting is. Like, there's a word in there. That's being missed, I feel. 
and it's acting. Like you are supposed to represent the character or the species or whatever and how they speak. And I'm not saying my rendition was fantastic, uh, but it's just something I'm noticing more and more. And I was very critical of before any of this. And I'm seeing it again. And once again, we, we I've talked about it with Carrick where I do think it's a bit of a style where these creators come in uh, or these actors and actresses come in and they're like, this is how I deliver. We're not doing it any other way. And so they don't adjust. And I, I don't know, man. It's just I don't like when I can hear an actor or actress and I know it's them. Like I loved when it was uh, – I'm forgetting the name of the character in Cyberpunk. Uh, but it was the woman from Militech that you see in the 48-minute demo who, like, puts the thing in your shard in the back of your head, and she's in, she's interrogating you. It turns out that was Erica Lindbeck, who does Futaba and Persona and, like, all these uppity anime characters. And I'm like, holy shit, that was her? That's a really cool feeling as a player, and it, res- it builds that respect for the talent even more. Um, that's why Courtney Taylor is one of my favorite talents. You cannot hear her in a lot of her roles. Like I listen to Juhani and I'm like, how did she do this? Cause then you hear Jack and you're like, okay, that sounds a little Courtney Taylor. And then of course with a main character, like fallout Four, you can tell it's definitely Courtney Taylor, but I think that's more acceptable because it's an RPG. It's much more, you know, you have to have more range across all the conversations. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, there are different instances there, but for me, I'll pick English if, the if the cast is diverse enough if i'm seeing the same names and hearing the same names over though i'm gonna flip right to japanese from now on sean mason's up next hey sexy lads yesterday my fiance and i were discussing where we would like to go on our honeymoon congratulations after several hours of debating on where we should go we finally agreed on a tropical island the only problem is we don't know which tropical island to go to any suggestions best sean m Sean, I'm going to do what you probably did, man. I'm going to Google right now tropical islands. All right. I'm going to do what what I know you did. But I definitely am not a tropical island. Uh, uh, Bali looks pretty cool. Wow. Wow. That looks really awesome. Hey. Hey, this is my pick. Nevis looks really nice, too. Nevis. Oh, wait. Bali's catching my eye big time. Let me look at some pictures here. This is Indonesia. Island on Indonesia. Dude, yeah, this is the place. This is awesome. Yeah, you know what? I've actually looked this place up before. So they have like little... Yeah. Look this place up if you haven't. B-A-L-I. Sean, that's my pick. All right. Let's see here. Oh, wait. Coach Blue... Stepped in with a suggestion of his own. Just, I want to conclude this story, right? Sean, if I may butt in, I highly recommend the Azores Island. They are Portuguese tropical islands in the middle of the Atlantic. They are like Hawaii, but far less crowded due to limited tourism. They are beautiful, and it's home to one of the only volcanoes on Earth that you can walk into the magma chamber of. One of my absolute favorite places I've ever been. To which Sean said in all caps, holy fuck, that sounds amazing. Sorry for the language. (laughs) Which I don't know what show he thinks he's listening to. It's also cheaper in Hawaii. So... Maybe Sean's already picked his island. My suggestion, it may not matter, but hey, Bali looked dope. All right, here we go. We got two sets of questions left. First comes from Natural Calamity. Greetings, ham lads plus Cognito. Please bring him on the show. (laughs) Yeah, we will work on that. Here's the thing is that 
We already got Cog on four podcasts. I do not need to give him five when he just started with us here, right? We got Duke, Duke Ultimate, Last Word, and Iron Lord. So I want to respect his schedule. So I would not say, I'm going to be honest, I would not expect him on here because I want to make sure he's ready for Duke. That was kind of one of the main things when getting him on. Last week, you decided my questions were indeed riveting. So this week, I ask, are they death-defying? Are they the best damn questions you have ever heard? Are the bane? Are they the bane of your existence? Are they better than Kotor remake? I'll stop stalling and get to the questions. Okay, this is now you've set them beyond, beyond what they could ever hope to reach. Question one: Back in the 360 days, there were many games that had Xbox Live capabilities, but were untapped, and it was hard to get into a lobby. An example would be Conquer's Bad Fur Day, Command and Conquer games of this nature. Do you have any games like this that feel untapped to you? It would be a hit if they just hit the capability of a Call of Duty or any other game of that nature. Yes, and it's uh, it's an answer I've given before. Uh, this was a death row. It was a uh, I've talked about it a lot, so I'll, I'll spare the audience on going into it deeply again. It is a sports fighting game. So there's a disc in the middle of the arena. You got two teams of four. You got portals on each side, and the goal is grab the disc, throw it in the portal, you get a point. But it's also a fighting game. So as you're running around, you're beating the shit out of each other. Like it's a bloody game. So there's all these different mechanics happening. It's fast. There's pickups. There's power-ups. There's also this whole franchise mode. So you're making signings. You're you're getting advertising deals. There's random events that occur. There's challenges that you get from random teams. Um, And you're all teams on death row. And so you're fighting to get out of death row. And it's really cool. Uh, It's really, really cool. And I think nowadays this would have done well. And I think if it had a fan base, it would have done well. Funny enough, Ubisoft published title. I think it was developed by a team called like South End or South Peak. Check that out. Really cool game. But I think that uh, with Xbox Live, because this is an original Xbox game, I think they would have done well. And I I believe if it was like a a random $20 indie title now, oh man, Everyone, everyone would be all over Death Row. I feel very confident about that. All right, question two. After playing time and time again with just being horrible at the game, bouncing off of it, I've decided to give Greedfall another chance, and I'm actually starting to enjoy it this time. The combat system is feeling good, and the side missions are actually some of the best I've seen, bringing life and perspective to the native side of things, which I really appreciate. You've heard my experience, but now I want to hear, what game did you have this experience with where it was horrible, and then you ended up liking it? Okay, okay. Um... Oh, I'm trying to think of one that's not Fallout 3 because Fallout 3 is my big definitive one. What's something I've tried out recently that I went, oh, I'm not going to really like this, and I ended up – I'm going to say Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, I don't want to say I wrote off, but I was very confident it was going to be a kind of Ubisoft open-world experience and very bare-bones at that. I admired Sucker Punch's storytelling capabilities in, in Sly Cooper. It was very charming. And it was a very well-written series, but obviously it wasn't on the emotional level that I think Ghost of Tsushima managed to reach, which I did not expect. Um, they also did a good job with Infamous, but I felt the interest in Infamous's story, for me at least, came through the choices you can make, not really the writing or the character building, although those were all decent, I would say. Uh, so for me, it was really Ghost of Tsushima where I saw the reviews. The reviews were not strong on some ends, a lot of sevens. And I remember thinking, you know what? This is probably going to be a very average game, especially with the way PlayStation marketed Ghost of Tsushima. They tucked it behind Last of Us Part Two, which was obviously going to be their heavy hitter that year. It's going to be their biggest game of the year for, and for a while. 
And I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? This is probably not going to be as good as I wanted it to be. Maybe the combat will feel less than Sekiro. And even the combat ended up feeling good in its own way with all its different stances. And then I sat down with it and I loved it. It was a top three game of the year for me. So that's definitely one that snuck up on me for sure. I didn't, I expected to hopefully find a way to like it, but I did not expect to like it as much as I did. So that's one I want to go ahead and shout out for sure. Last question of the week, as it seems to be a tradition at this point, new Ookla stick. We're wrapping up with you again, man. Hope you guys had a good week. I just want to first point out that Macho Man Randy Savage Dragon Mod actually is available on Xbox. In fact, a lot of PC mods can be and are ported to Xbox since Xbox allows for custom assets or assets from other games in mods, whereas PlayStation does not. The only limitation to Xbox console mods that I see is that consoles can't get script extenders and mods have to all to be ported by someone from PC, which can require some work. I apologize if this sounds defensive or whatever. I'm quite passionate about this game because I don't have the money and time for a PC, and I've always wanted to be able to mod Bethesda games. It doesn't come across defensive at all. I believe I've made this clear before, but if I have not, then now the audience knows. Well, I know I've said this before, rather, but I don't know if I said it in that conversation, but I was wrong about Macho Man Randy Savage. All right. Oh, man. Well, this final question, I don't know if we can answer because it's for Dustin. Dustin's not here. It was more importantly to my questions. Dustin, if you're comfortable with sharing something a little more personal, how'd you propose to your wife? Trying to get more ideas. So would love to hear how comfortable you are sharing more about gaming though. Okay. We got something I can't answer. Let's get some positivity in here. What's an indie or double A title you are really looking forward to this year? Minus the Ascent. Can't wait for that one. Hope everyone has a cool weekend. All right. So that would be my pick. So I'll do something a little different. Uh, July 20th. So this weekend or Monday. Um, next Tuesday, actually. Chris Tales drops. And it's a day one Game Pass game. Chris Tales looks really, really rad. Uh, it's this turn-based RPG with time travel mechanics and those time travel mechanics are represented artistically kind of like the messenger one of my favorite games of that year I think it was 2018 it was a 2d side scroller and the messenger uh what would happen is you go through portals in the game and it would go from 8-bit to 16-bit and in Chris Tales it's more along the lines of you'll actually see a completely different time period and it's all happening in real time so as you're running left to right uh this isn't a side scroller by the way you're running around environments, though, that are set up in a 2D nature. 2.5D, maybe, would probably be the best way to put it. Um, but as you're running around them, you're seeing in these two shells, if you will, the future and the past, and you're running around in the present. And I just think that visual style is very cool. But then it's a turn-based RPG on top of that, and then it plays with the time mechanics within its combat. To what extent, I'm actually not sure of, because once I saw it, conceptually and and visually and i tabbed through some of its gameplay i went okay day one game pass we really don't need to buy this so i'm gonna go on media blackout and see if this game can really sneak up on me so i'm very excited about this one uh there's a lot of sneaky good indies this month i was highlighting it on my twitter account of course the ascent we talked about a lot on this show we talked about a lot on defining duke Uh, i've certainly highlighted a bunch in general now we're talking about chris tales and then there's death's door which is a console exclusive for xbox And that game also looks really good, and I anticipate it to review well. So that's coming out this month. It's going to be a really good month for indies, so do not sleep on them. But for me, Chris Tales is the one I am diving into first, then The Ascent, and then we'll get to Death's Door. But anyway, 
those are all the questions we have for episode 210 or 310, not 210. Woo, we are way past that now. Uh, 310 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time to write in, for being a part of this show. I was highlighting some of the legacy at the top of it. And it's just like, man, we've been hanging around for a while. And, um, you know, it's just it's kind of crazy to think about. It's, uh, you know, I always wonder, like, do we change it up? Do we shake things up? I think about that a lot. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where the future carries us if we ever enter a new chapter. But until then, take good care of yourselves. Let me know what you're thinking about this episode with the hashtag. Uh, we're going to say happy Dustin DD or uh, not DD. Sorry, we've been doing a hashtag DD. Uh, we'll do hashtag happy Dustin for this show. I think that's very important because Dustin was so happy with some of the the selections I was making for, of course, our Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl that I'm sure he's even now smiling. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you got this deep, let us know what that hashtag were to be in the comments or on Twitter. My handle is at G27Status. I look forward to seeing you there and chatting with you there. And until then, take good care of yourselves, and we'll see you for Episode 311 next week, all right? Peace out.